No Junk Mail presents the LGBT 4th of July, read to you by James R. Von Felt. Lots going on in our town this week. Corn is growing so fast you can hear it crinkle. Sounds of field machines are humming. The weather's been great since the slow, rainy start. The ground's tempered, the sun's warm, and the beans are going in as fast as possible. Things are perking right along now. Everyone's optimistic and upbeat about the harvest. Other sounds are coming from the park. Kids are having fun as usual. Swings, teetotter, and jungle gym are in play constantly. Some are playing catch, some kickball, and some form teams to play an inning or so of baseball. Others just sit and talk. You might hear somebody singing a karaoke machine or a drum solo from the stage. It's the noise of fun had by all. Besides, it's the eve of the year's biggest holidays. We're likely to make the most of it. We usually do. This is the time family comes back home to visit. Special decorative flags are flying all through town. Well, they are on Main Street throughout the town. A big sign's been erected at the park inviting everybody to come to celebrate the 4th with us at our newly rebuilt pavilion. Jerry and Christy have added unique decorations at the Gas and Grill. There's a big flag out front and little flags on every table. The napkins on the table of patriotic slogans printed on them. This morning, Sally made a whole batch of muffins coated with red, white, and blue frosting. When Harry and Larry Seawall arrived for coffee, Danny, our mayor, Chief Kelly, and Frosty were deep in conversation. You all in a private meeting, Larry spoke up. Frosty heard and shook his head, so as to invite them to the table. We are going over the details of the fourth celebration and can use a good pair of eyes to help. Look here, this is the list of events. We have games for the kids. The sheriff's off-duty deputies are providing pancakes starting at 7.30 a.m. The volunteer firefighters are hosting hot dogs for a buck, and that's all day long. Mike will have his food wagon and snow cone machine, and the Methodist Church is hosting the evening meal. Annie Strobel's bringing her petting zoo. The Chickerings are bringing Shetland ponies for the kids to ride. We have three singing groups, some solos, and two bands scheduled to play on the new stage. That gives us music playing most all day and into the night. The county slow-pitch tournament starts in the morning. Six teams have signed up so far. The final championship game will begin at 8 p.m. under the lights. Fireworks cap the day. They'll follow the last game. It'll be dark then. Larry and Harry both looked hard at the list. Where's the tractor pull, Harry said as he sipped the coffee Sally delivered to the table. There, between the pavilion dedication and Larry Knox's banjo performance, Frosty pointed at their list. 
They make a lot of noise, Fire Chief Kelly commented. Where's the Constitution play, Larry exclaimed. You gotta have that. It's traditional. We've heard that play since old Jake was a pup. Kids are working on it now, Danny responded. They're ready. They have costumes, even white wigs to wear this year. Laverne Bruce, the new music teacher in Bloomfield, is coaching the kids. They've been working on it for over a month now. They go on stage right after the dedication. What's the weather going to be like, Harry asked. What about the politicians, Larry interrupted. Gotta have political speeches on the 4th, Harry returned. We're bringing in Cliff's old hay wagon, putting chairs and a podium on it. It'll be under the big oak tree. I'll be moderating at 6.30 sharp, Danny said. And the weather is predicted to be perfect. Who's signed up? Harry asked. Danny pulled out a sheet and read, Max, he's running for county superintendent. Mike, he's, he's getting his speech ready for county treasurer job again. Lorraine is going to be running for school board, and Bob is going to vent about all the things he feels is wrong with the county government, like he always does. Everybody laughed. A voice called out from across the diner. How do you get on that list? Danny's head jerked up, and then they looked around to see who had asked the question. Jake and Marion Fast, their daughter Evelyn and a stranger, were sitting at the back table looking directly at him. It was Evelyn who had asked. Just sign up and you're on the list. That gets you 20 uninterrupted minutes to talk about whatever you want, he added. I can talk about anything I want, Evelyn asked. Sure, just get on the list and show up. But we don't expect any foul language. Kids are in the area, Danny replied. Evelyn and her friend got their heads together for a minute. Then they walked to Danny's table. Where do we sign up, she said. Okay, print your name here. Danny pointed to a column. And your topic here, he said. It's that easy. Evelyn, then Josie, signed up said thanks, and went back to their table. Harry and Larry were curious. What are they going to talk about, Harry asked. Danny shoved the list over to him. Roe versus Wade? LGBT? What's this all about, Harry exclaimed loud enough for everyone in the diner to hear. Which side are you on? What are you going to talk about, Larry added. Everyone in the diner heard the words, and now they were heading home. The topic is red-hot, controversial, and hadn't been publicly discussed anywhere in our county. Immediately, a loud murmur arose. Come and see, Evelyn responded with a broad smile as they got up to leave. Before the hour was out... Evelyn and Josie were the hot topics of conversation in town. By evening, all of Bloomfield, as well as surrounding towns in the county, had heard. Danny eventually turned off his phone. It was constantly ringing, as were the phones of every politician and preacher in the county. 
In fact, gossip had not been so intense since the county attorney ran off with the choir leader at the Methodist Church years ago. The next day, the Fast household was hosting visitors hourly to meet and greet Evelyn and Josie. They hadn't seen much of Evelyn since she went off to Grinnell College seven years ago. She had grown up here, gone to school here, attended church here, regularly came back home for Christmas, Easter, and other holidays, like so many others. They'd heard she had a good job in Chicago but didn't know much more. Those who visited learned a little more about the girls but no details about the speeches. What they did learn was that Evelyn was in her first year as a lawyer and that she was working for a small firm in downtown Chicago. Josie was from a small town near Springfield, Illinois, graduated from Grinnell College, too, went to the University of Illinois School of Medicine, and was in her first-year residency at Northwestern Memorial Hospital in Chicago. They share the same apartment. The next day was the 4th of July. It was a beautiful, warm, sunny morning, and Danny knew the event would be a success. Almost all the parking spaces were gone by 8 a.m. Some lawns and empty lots were used as emergency parking lots. Getting the horse and petting zoo trailers and animals in the proper area was difficult. The sheriff's deputies had to have cars moved. The tractors were also lining up early, causing traffic problems. Sheriff Davis had heard the gossip and anticipated the problem. He assigned all his deputies and some assistant deputies to the festival. A few sheriff's deputies from Van Buren County volunteered. By 8 o'clock that morning, the deputy's pancake tent ran out of batter and rushed off to Bloomfield for additional supplies. The crowds came and came and came some more. Festivities were finally kicked off at 9 a.m. with the dedication of the newly rebuilt pavilion. Next, the traditional play went flawlessly. The kids reenacted the Second Continental Congress debate. It was then that they voted to approve a resolution of independence, declaring the United States independent from Great Britain's rule. Loud applause went out to the actors from a standing-room-only crowd. The games for the kids were often running. The petting zoo and the pony rides opened next and attracted crowds of children. The adults were greeting and visiting with neighbors they hadn't seen for a while. Most everyone brings portable chairs with them to all-day events. That way you can sit and chat with one group, then pick up and move to another when you want. The park is big, but today it was getting as crowded as anyone had ever seen it. Noon came and went. The weather had been perfect, but it was cooling off a little. 
The smell of hot dogs made you drool. The softball slow-pitch tournament was on. It attracted a lot of spectators. Music was wafting through the air. Intermittent tractor noise drowned out the cheers of a home run. When dinner time came, the line at the kitchen was long. The local Mennonite church stepped in and helped the Methodist church with food and servers. Some of the adults looked a bit worse for wear, but the young just had a revival of energy, and off they went. The wind had picked up a bit and made the mild temperatures very comfortable. It was time for speeches. A crowd, mostly adults, gathered around the hay wagon. Danny led the speakers through the crowd to the steps next to the hay wagon. He led the way up to the platform. Max, Mike, Lorraine, Bob, Evelyn, and Josie followed up the stairs and then settled in chairs. Danny walked to the podium, which had just arrived from the Methodist Church a few minutes earlier. A mixed quartet, children playing, occasional umpire calls of strike out, and other festival sounds blended into the background as Danny began his introduction. Welcome to our 4th of July festival, he began in an extra loud voice. We don't have speaker systems, so if you're hard of hearing, mosey up close. He waited as some people shuffled in closer. Each of our speakers is allowed 20 minutes. Max is up first. A light round of clapping accompanied Max as he made his way to the podium. He began, I'm Max. Most of you know me. Well, Max's speech was short and to the point. He had served as a county supervisor and knew the ropes. He was offering his services again at the next election. Mike's speech was about the duties of being county treasurer. Everyone understood that his four-year term was coming up and he'd be running again in the midterm elections. Lorraine had school items to pick on. She elaborated on some ways our school could be more efficient and stated that she wanted to be elected to the school board to represent homeschoolers better. A few gusts of wind interrupted her speech, but she recovered and then finished to a lighter prose. As Bob approached the podium, there was clapping, laughter and kidding from the crowd. The crowd relaxed a bit. They looked forward to Bob's annual analysis of the federal, state, and county shortcomings. Bob has a history. He took this time seriously and had notes. He quoted sources. When Danny interrupted to say his time was up, he concluded, If you want more details, I'll be under the oak tree after this is over. The crowd gave him a warm round of applause as he sat down. Danny approached the podium. Our next speaker is Evelyn. Some of you grew up with her. She's Jake and Marion's daughter, been gone for seven years. Graduated from Grinnell Law School. She's a lawyer now and works in Chicago. Evelyn walked confidently to the podium and looked around at the crowd. 
It was right then that the first hard blast of wind hit. Black clouds had accumulated to the west, but no one was paying attention. Now they were bearing down on our town. A crack of lightning hit the old oak tree and split a large limb in two. It came crashing to the ground. Another gust of wind tore shingles off the pavilion, and parts peppered the speakers and crowd. Danny yelled for everyone to take cover, but no one knew where to go. The speaker scurried off the hay wagon. The pavilion's roof was lifting and dropping as wind gusts tore huge chunks off. It became suddenly dark. People scattered every which direction away from the buildings and trees. The wind blew wildly. Then it began raining. Not just raining. A downpour whipped by the wind drenched everybody. Lightning and thunder accompanied them as they ran to their cars. The celebration was over with a dramatic finish. The newly rebuilt pavilion was in shambles. Wind and rain had damaged several homes in town, and electric lines were down in a large part of the county. The next days would be concentrating on fixing up homes and cleaning the mess the storm had left. The Mennonite Disaster Service would be out in full force, helping to clear the destruction. Well, that's it for now, from where the corn grows tall and pigs fly. Take care. All my love, Grandpa Jim. <laughs>